0: Today, as we think about my Jesus, I want us just to dwell on that for these next few moments. As you're turning in Luke 4, verse 19, uh, I want to share something with you that's a little funny. Um, There's this nine-year-old girl who came home from vacation Bible school, and with excitement and joy, She looked at her parents along with her brother and said, Jesus is living in my heart now. Oh, can you imagine? Some of you have experienced this. The joy that was in those parents. All day they made a big deal over this. That their child now has Jesus living in her heart. You know a little, You know how children are, you make a big deal over one and not the other, there's something going to, to happen. So a little later in the evening, this little girl's younger brother says something to her that she didn't like. And she did what most girls will do, she just hauled off and punched him. You know, boys will say what they will do, girls will just do it. <laughs> she hauled off and punched him you know that her little brother he didn't know a whole lot about being saved he didn't know a whole lot about church but what he knew was this isn't how Christians are supposed to act so he looked at her and said I thought you said that Jesus was living in your heart and she replied he is. He's just asleep now. <laughs> that, that is a little funny. Uh, if you didn't get that, you will later. Just keep thinking about it. Uh, and we're certain, we're certain that Jesus never sleeps or slumbers scriptures reveal that to us but you know sometimes our actions of some professing born again believers may reveal that jesus doesn't shine too brightly in our lives so if or when that's the case not only is my jesus misinterpreted or misrepresented but others may never come to know him well we've been learning quite a bit about my Jesus over the last several weeks uh, in Luke 4 we've learned in verse 18 that the spirit of the Lord was upon him because he was sent to preach the gospel to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty over the captives to recover sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed In this, we have been able to see that my Jesus is our truth to eternity. He's our true comforter, our true access to liberty, our true light. He is our true leader. And today, as we look in this sixth message, we want to look at this sixth statement that we see right here in verse 19. And in this verse, we find that Jesus came to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is God's word. And when we look here today in this message, I want us to remember that Jesus is our true provision. Now, the word acceptable, it can be defined as being favorable it seems that Jesus is saying this is the favorable year of the Lord with Jesus declaring that he is the anointed one he is saying that he is the Messiah and this is the year or this is the day of the Lord's favor or can we say it this way the fullness of time has come In other words, a new dispensation of time is here. Uh, He's saying that I've been sent to reveal to you that I am he who will provide for you eternity. I am he who will provide for you comfort. I am he who will provide for you light. I am he who will provide for you leadership. Jesus is saying, I am your provision. You know, the Jewish people would hear that statement and they would probably understand that the acceptable year of the Lord as a reference to the year of Jubilee. Where over, where every 50 years when the trumpets were blown, the priests proclaimed that those who were bound are now set free. The land that might have been lost is now restored. Debts have been canceled. It was a time of blessing and favor. It was a time of provision. And in the fullness of time, provision was given to us in that while we were slaves to sin, he came to be the ultimate and the final sacrifice for sin. While we owed a debt that we couldn't pay, Jesus came to pay our sin debt. While we were separated from God, Jesus came to redeem us and to reconcile us back to God. Yes, my Jesus is our provision. Now, if we look in John six, we find in how this is illustrated in the fact that Jesus shares to us our that He is our true provision. If we look there in John six, we find that the context of this is centered around the fact that it was getting close to the Passover. Jesus had crossed over the Sea of Galilee, and he's standing upon a mountainside, and he looks, and there comes a a large multitude. This multitude seemed to count 5,000 men, not including the women and children. They had followed him. Now, it was getting a little late in the day, and they... Didn't have anything to eat. And the disciples didn't have enough money or resources to get enough bread that would feed this big multitude. But they told Jesus, there's a young lad over here with his lunch for the day. You know, that doesn't even make sense, does it? 5,000 men plus women and children. You could probably estimate anywhere from twelve to 14,000 people altogether. And then all of a sudden, somebody says, oh, but there's this lad over here with his lunch. You know, <laughs> how much sense does that even make? You know what we would have said? Let's not even bother him with that. Here, this, this child had five barley loaves and two small fish. You know what Jesus does? Once he hears there's five barley loaves. And two small fish, and Jesus spans the congregation of anywhere from 12 to 14,000 people, He tells the disciples, "Sit them all down and bring me to lunch." He takes this, and according to Scripture, he blesses the bread, and he distributes the bread. Then he does the same for the fish. And when, they, when everyone was filled, they had 12 baskets of fragments to take up. And I don't, I don't know if, you, if we really catch the significance of this. Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, our true v- uh, provision, he took five loaves of bread, two fish that probably would have fit in one basket. And made it enough for 5,000 men plus women and children and had 12 baskets left over. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus is our true provision, not Bank of America, not the White House, not the Governor's Mansion, not United Way. And can I get a little closer to home? Not the Burn Swamp Baptist Association, not the Lumbee Tribe, not even Reedy Branch Baptist Church. Every resource that we have, and we do have resources, and we share those resources, and through Lumbee Tribe, through the Burn Swamp Association, through this church, through the White House, through the Governor's Mansion, through the United Way, some people are getting blessed with the Resources, but those resources were provided to us only by our true provision, which is Jesus Christ. We wouldn't be able to help anybody if it weren't for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, our true provision is in the person of our Lord and Savior. You know, the next day, the people were looking for Jesus but they were coming to him to be filled with physical bread you know you know how that story went Jesus sent the disciples across the sea and he went a different direction and when they woke up and saw that the boat was gone they just assumed Jesus was along with the disciples and, and some things took place but they followed Jesus they went across the sea to where he was at when they found him Jesus recognized what they were there for they were coming to be filled with this physical bread they wanted what jesus could provide for them physically so jesus makes his first i am statement and he says i am the bread of life in other words jesus is saying i am your true provision i came And have provided for you physically. But I want to do so much more than that. I want to provide for you. I want and I can and I desire to provide for you spiritually. I don't want to just take care of you here on earth. I can and I desire to take care of you throughout all eternity. Jesus is our true provision. He is the bread of life. And what we see in this passage is that the bread of life, our true provision, he satisfies. He satisfies. When you look there in verse 35 in chapter 6 of John, Jesus said, I am the bread of life and he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. This is an extremely significant claim. Note the word never You know what it means? Never. This is a strong and emphatic word. He is saying that he is the true bread from God that gives eternal life. And if a man comes to Christ, the bread of life will never, he will never hunger. Man is starving for a full life. He we crave a life that is full and satisfying, one that nourishes us and, and sustains us. And if we eat from the bread of life, if we surrender our lives to Christ, the gnawing craving for this life will be fully satisfied in him. But get this. He also says if a man believes, he will never thirst. Not only is his hunger satisfied, but his thirst is also quenched. Every need of life, every need of nourishment, every need for growth is met. In Jesus Christ when he says I am the bread of life he that comes to me shall never hunger and he who drinks of me shall never thirst there's nothing else that you we need for nourishment in this life there's nothing else that we need to sustain us in this life but Jesus Christ he provides everything for us to grow and to be what we need to be yes we should and we will hunger for righteousness But that hunger, that thirst for righteousness, he'll never go unsatisfied because we'll find righteousness in him. You know, while the multitude was looking for Jesus to fill their physical hunger, Jesus told them not to labor for food that perishes, but food that endures to everlasting life. He told them, I am the bread of life. And Jesus was saying, I satisfied you with physical bread. Now I want to satisfy you with spiritual bread. They then wanted to know, well, what kind of work will we have to do to have this bread? Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you would believe in him who sent. Who he sent. In other words, if you want this spiritual bread, you've got to believe in the bread that God has sent you don't have to work for it but you have to believe in him you can't earn it you can't buy it but you have to believe in him Jesus said I am the bread that came down from heaven I am the bread that God has sent I am the bread and if you believe in me you will have everlasting life so my question for us today is how are you feeling your craving for life Are you looking at our true provision or you're looking to the world to fill you? If you're looking to the world, my question becomes, have you found satisfaction? Or does satisfaction seem to be so far out of reach that you can't attain it? Because it doesn't matter how rich we are in this world. Apart from Christ, it'll never be enough. It doesn't matter how popular you become in this world. Apart from Christ... It'll never be enough. It it doesn't matter how much you accumulate in this world. Apart from Christ, it'll never be enough. You won't be satisfied with stuff. The world's riches, fame, popularity, prestige, drugs, alcohol, ungodly relationships, and everything else the world may throw at us will never satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy. He is the bread of life. He is our true provision. And when you by faith believe he is God's only begotten son, the spotless lamb of God, the savior of the world, when by faith you believe that he died for the sin of the world and you ask him to forgive you of your sin and believe that he has, when you confess him as your Lord and savior, he will fill your hunger. He will quench your thirst because he and he alone satisfies Jesus is our true provision. He is the bread of life. And Jesus, our true bread, he satisfies. But in this text, we find he does more than satisfy. He also secures. Jesus wants the believers to take heart and be assured of their salvation. As a matter of fact, 2 Peter 1 and 10 tells us to be diligent to make our call and election sure. However, it is God himself who has drawn believers. What do you mean, preacher? (laughs) It's God through the Holy Spirit of, through his Holy Spirit that has moved upon us and stirred believers to come to Christ well, preacher, how will we know this? You know, I believe there's some people that believe that the drawing of the spirit—they're going to experience lightning f- uh, flashing, they're going to experience thunder rolling, they're going to experience something that just grabs them and pulls them to the front. But I want to tell you how the spirit draws you. You know, the Bible teaches us that he he speaks in a still small voice. What happens is that Holy Spirit begins to gnaw at your heart's door, and as he's knocking and gnawing at your heart's door, he's revealing to you that you are lost. He's revealing to you that you need a savior. He's revealing to you that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. And if you fail to receive him as your Lord and Savior, you'll never be satisfied in this world. You'll never have security in this world. And when you leave this world, it'll get even worse. That hell will be your home. Wait a minute, preacher. Are you telling me that that's it? that's all it is because I know I'm lost. I know I need a savior and I know Jesus is the savior well I want to assure you if that's been revealed to you the Holy Spirit of God is drawing you to the Lord be careful rejecting that because there's a day when Jesus will come and he'll receive his church and if you've heard the gospel you'll find That if you're left here, the spirit of God will not dwell with man always. What you'll find is because you've had the opportunity in this dispensation in time. That in the next dispensation, and it begins as soon as the church is taken out of here. Things will be different. You may believe today. But if you're left here when the rapture comes, you won't believe again. Today is the day of salvation. Because tomorrow is not promised. So therefore, Jesus says that any man who comes to him, he will by no means cast them out. He came to do the will of his father in heaven. He subjected himself fully to God. So the believer can know that everything Jesus does is the perfect will of God. Well, we may ask, what is the will of God? Well, Jesus shares that with us in 39 and 40. He said, this is the will of the father who has, who sent me that all that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing. But should raise it up at the last day. And he goes on to say the father's will is that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Folks, Jesus is our true bread that secures everlasting life for those who believe in him. Now, Henry Iron Harry, Harry Ironside stated that salvation is like Noah inviting a pagan in his day to place his trust in God's word and to come into the ark. Some view salvation like Noah offering to put a peg on the outside of the ark. And if we can hold on to the peg through the storm, then we'll be saved. Salvation doesn't work that way because salvation isn't dependent on us holding on to God. Salvation is dependent on our being securely held by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm so glad he's holding me and he's carrying me through the storms of life. Folks, if you're depending, (laughs) ooh. If you're depending on anything else, you're standing on sinking sand. You know, if our security for eternity is solely dependent on the provision of Jesus, if our eternity is in the bread of life, then the real question we must ask is, have you truly come to him? Have you humbled yourself and come to Jesus and believed in him for everlasting life? Or are you taking the chance in your own strength, your own power, your own resources will secure you when this life is over. Are you believing your name, your popularity, what you've accumulated or your ungodly relationships will secure you when this life is over? If so, depending on anything other than Jesus Christ as our bread of life, our true provision upon the authority of God's holy word, I can say you'll be eternally disappointed. If you're depending on anything outside of Jesus Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The only way you can be secured of eternal life is to come and eat of the bread of life. You must come to Christ. You must believe in him by faith. You must believe what the scripture says about him. If you want to be forgiven of your sins, you must come to Jesus. You must admit you are a sinner in need of a savior. You must believe he is the son of God, the savior of the world. You must confess your sins to him. And you must confess him as your Lord and savior if you want to be saved by the grace of God you must come to Jesus so my question for you as they prepare to sing this song what will you do today with the bread of life what will you do with our true provision what will you do With my Jesus today. Will you receive him? Or will you reject him? If you choose to receive him, I assure you, he will satisfy and he will secure you.